0: May 17th is the anniversary of an historic Supreme Court decision in the United States. The decision came on a case commonly known as Brown v. Board of Education. The Supreme Court handed down a unanimous 9-0 ruling that overturned nearly 60 years of state-approved segregation in many of America's schools.
1: The name of this case is Oliver L. Brown et al versus the Board of Education of Topeka, Kansas, at all. Basically, Brown v. Board was about challenging the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution, uh, the validity of it, because African Americans were being forced to attend segregated and oftentimes substandard schools, and if the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution was in fact to be broadly applied to all citizens, then it was illegal to engage in that practice.
0: Cheryl Brown Henderson is the founder of the Brown Foundation for Educational Equity, Excellence, and Research. She has an extensive background in education, business, civic leadership, and, as she tells us, a special connection to the court case.
1: So Oliver Brown was my father, and he passed away in 1961, and I think he passed away before knowing the significance of this case, because seven years you know, after the decision, the country didn't know yet the significance of the case. So The Brown Foundation for Educational Equity, Excellence, and Research was started in 1988, and we began to serve as a living tribute to the attorneys, community activists, and plaintiffs, involved in Brown v. Board of Education. Basically, we wanted to focus on the people, places, and events because so much of our history had been eclipsed by you know, the, the immediate depiction of Brown v. Board.
0: The Supreme Court's ruling on the case is considered a landmark decision and a turning point in the history of the United States. Before the decision, many American educational systems, which are managed at the state and local levels of government, were racially segregated under the policy known as separate but equal. That policy had previously been endorsed by the United States Supreme Court in the case of Plessy v. Ferguson in 1896. That ruling said that as long as separate facilities were equal, segregation did not violate the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution's 14th Amendment. But the plaintiffs in the Brown v. Board of Education case claimed that the policy of separate but equal perpetuated inferior educational facilities for African Americans. The huge impact of the ruling means the case has been widely discussed and studied. In talking with Cheryl Brown Henderson, we learned some of the little known facts, including those about her father, that are lost or misrepresented in media reports and other contexts.
1: Well, he was assigned the role of lead plaintiff, we think by the clerk of the court of the NAACP. But let me tell you real quick how it happened. NAACP in Topeka, the gentleman who was a president, McKinley Burnett, is actually the one that sat down with the legal redress committee for the NAACP and said, okay, we're gonna try this one more time. But we're going to go to federal court. All of these other cases went to state Supreme Court. So in the summer of 1950, Mr. Burnett, together with the Scott family of attorneys, made speeches in churches, you know, visited their friends, asking people if they would join them. And the first plaintiff in the Topeka case was a woman by the name of Lucinda Todd because she was the secretary for the NAACP and had an elementary age child. So by the time they got to our household, uh, Charles Scott was the one uh, that asked my father, he was one of the attorneys, and they had grown up together. And so by the time they got to us, they'd already had nine people that had signed on. Dad became the tenth person, and they ended up with 13 people. So the Internet has done a lot of harm, and as well as a lot of journalists, my father did not bring this case and he did not bring it on behalf of my sister, and it was not something he did as a sole act. He was asked to be a plaintiff. And ironically, when it was filed, he either as a legal strategy or happenstance was assigned to head the roster. We think it was gender, because he was the only man. So we think it was gender. Um, You know, it wasn't something he did, although there are textbooks and internet sites that will tell you otherwise. So they make up stuff. You know, my dad was a veteran, they make that up. He had an enlarged heart, he couldn't be in the military.
0: Information about the Brown versus Board of Education case can be found everywhere. As a legal decision, it is truly historic. But there is another side to the story that citizens often overlook. American history contains many legal decisions that had an impact on the nation. And behind each one, there are individuals, ordinary people, who displayed enormous courage and resolve against powerful odds. I think
1: a lot of times we get lost in the decision itself. You know, we get lost in what it meant for the nation. We forget that there were everyday people behind that. And without those plaintiffs that stood with the attorneys, uh, you know there would not have been a case and these were people that were ordinary you know they were not activists by any any means you know unlike the civil rights movement they were not out protesting they were in their homes when someone asked them if they would to be willing to to join this legal campaign so my dad for example uh, early 30s you know my mom late 20s and um my sisters and i were just you know i was an infant and they were just uh, very young so these were young people you know kind of taking a chance on um being a part of something you know, that would keep them from being marginalized. And for African-American men in particular, our society historically has really marginalized what they could do. And how can you be a man if you're living in the margins? So I think that's why my dad was so willing to say yes after some contemplation. And they knew it was a risk they were taking, even though in Kansas, perhaps not as risky as South Carolina or Virginia, the other cases but it was still a risk they were taking. And that's what makes it compelling to me. One of the plaintiffs in Brown she since passed on in the Topeka case, her name was Lena Carper. And Mrs. Carper, and we have her on film telling this story, she was at home one day watching television and she was watching the footage of what was happening in the South, you know, with uh, Kelly Ingram Park when the young people encountered the dogs and the fire hoses, and it struck her at that moment whether or not she was the cause of it. And she thought, did we, by going forward with Brown v. 4, did we cause this pain and this suffering? Because she said, all I wanted was something more for my child, but I had no idea that what I had done as a very selfish, a selfish act in many ways would have that ripple effect. So she felt very badly about that for a long time, thinking that she had something to
0: do with their suffering. The courage of people like Lena Carper to take a stand for their rights and the rights of others inspired an entire generation and laid the foundation for a new era in American society.
1: Brown v. Board, uh, very much so, was the beginning of the civil rights era. And Brown basically dismantled the legal framework on which segregation was resting. And so once that was dismantled, then it did open the door for the protest movement for the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and all of the things that came after. Because even the protesters had to have a legal right to protest. So for example, Jack Greenberg, one of the attorneys in Brown, uh, argued on behalf of, of um, Martin Luther King to be able to march from Selma to Montgomery. And again, Brown was the, the foundation of all of that and kind of undergirds everything that came after, even you know the disabilities legislation and the women's movement and, and many others.
0: Many years after the Supreme Court's announcement in May 1954, race relations in America have improved, but more work remains to be done. Racial harmony in America is a constant work in progress, and every year on May 17th, the anniversary of the Brown versus Board of Education ruling reminds citizens of the importance of strong institutions and the social stability that the rule of law gives nations, regardless of their location or racial heritage.
1: Well, I think the significance to me, the importance is how the Constitution itself, you know, is a document that at least in the in the early years, through the 50s and 60s, was continued to be interpreted. You know, even in that many years later, and Brown v. Board was a, a judicial pivot, a turning point, a milestone, because the Supreme Court finally issued forth a definitive interpretation of the 14th Amendment and its equal protection clause. Which means it wasn't simply African Americans that were impacted. Basically, it said that we had certain sovereignty. And that state and local governments could not, just on an arbitrary basis, whether it was complexion of your skin or the color of your hair, decide that those were rights that were not going to be extended to you. And I think that that's pretty compelling for the world, the fact that um, our Constitution and our Supreme Court allows interpretation when people have been aggrieved for whatever reason.
0: This podcast is produced by the U.S. Department of State's Bureau of International Information Programs. Links to other Internet sites or opinions expressed should not be considered an endorsement of other content and views.